This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, you know it's Taz and Moose. You know it's Taz and Moose. Hey. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Mike and Pierno across the way. Bogish with your updates. An hour left to play with right up until... 9 a.m. Eastern time we go. DeMarco Farr will join us. We'll talk a little Rams football later on this hour to close out the program. But what do you need to know here on this Tuesday morning? Let's get to it. Here we go, the three. It is now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. Ezekiel Elliott is in Cabo. Jerry Jones speaks. Cabo, Cabo, uh, for a good pronunciation there. So, yes, Ezekiel Elliott holding out. Uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys are in California uh, in training camp. And uh, Jerry Jones, courtesy of CBS 11, uh, met with the media discussing Elliott's holdout. Take a listen. Emmett had uh, participated in a Super Bowl being the first rushing champ. Now, this is very important. First time ever a rushing champion was on a Super Bowl winning team. The point there is, you don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. But Emmitt was the first one to do it. And that's one of the dilemmas at running back is that the league knows that uh, you can win Super Bowls and not have the Emmitt Smith back there or not have Zeke back there. Consequently, when we are looking and putting Zeke's contract in place, We've got to realize that the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. And so you've got to do all of the things along with having Zeke that allow you to have other players so that you can win the Super Bowl. Well, there you have it. So it basically said trying to minimize the impact of Elliott. We all know the importance of Ezekiel Elliott has. Uh, you know, trying to talk tough if you're Jerry Jones. They're looking to try and get back to the playoffs. He would go on. Uh, in the same interview, saying that Dak Prescott will get paid. They will seek a uh, contract extension with him. Uh, Elliot continues uh, to hold out, uh, looking for that new extension, new deal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long this thing goes here for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, and, you know, with, with Jerry Jones doing that, he kind of, I mean, more or less, in my opinion, he draws a line in the sand, basically telling, telling Elliot from afar, hey, look at... Um, you know, we're, we're going to onward and upward with or without you. Uh, this is how it's going to go here. Onward and upward w- with or without you. We don't need you to win. Um, does he really mean that? Probably not. I mean, how, how would you think that about the NFL's leading rusher last year in 2018? I mean, the guy was uh, top of the heap. So you know, he's a very important uh, cog in the wheel for the Dallas Cowboys offense and, and for Dak Prescott. You know, you need him. You need that running game. And, and you know, and then. You know, listen, I mean, some would think that a lot of what Jones is saying is true. I mean, because the NFL and the way it's been with running backs, um, that it's been such a heavy, uh, offensively such a pass more, pass first type of league. You know, so we've seen that over time, and that's definitely what's going on. But you still need, you know, 
a, a major running back. We both kind of elite rid of that earlier. I, I just really believe in the running game. I think it's very important. So, you know, look at the depth chart. You know, I don't think he's got the guys. You know, even though he's just even though just signing Alfred Morris, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. It's still it's no one there is like Zeke. As far no. as running the football. Yeah, no you know. question about it. Um, and so here we stand. August 6th is the big date. Uh, Elliot, uh, you know, would lose a year. Uh, would uh, lose a year, uh, you know, in terms of accruing a year toward NFL free agency. If he does not report uh, to the Cowboys by August 6th, that's something him and his camp do not want to do. He's got two years and 12.9 remaining uh, on that rookie deal. So it's not like he's got one year left. He's got two years left at $12.9 million. So... Uh, you know, different situation than Michael Thomas down in New Orleans, who's severely underpaid. I'm not telling you that Elliott's well-paid. Well, I mean, he is. I mean, but for the level of caliber player he is, he is not. Uh, put it to you that way. Um, but we'll see exactly what the Dallas Cowboys do here, Taz. It doesn't seem like they're willing to negotiate with Elliott. And I, I, as I mentioned earlier, as we had a, a long range of discussion about this to kick off the program, I really think it has to come down to the trust factor. I don't think the Cowboys trust Ezekiel Elliott to give him uh, a contract extension on top of the two years that he has left on his rookie deal and you know, and lengthen that out because I think they're fearful of his behavior away from the football field. <clears throat> yeah, and his deal's not up. I mean, that's the thing. That, that's the, the, big, the big shining light, his deal, meaning Zeke, Zeke Elliott. His deal's not up where, where Prescott and Amari Cooper, okay, their deals are more or less, and they're still at their camp. They're not holding up camp. They're not causing, and they're also two gigantic offensive stars like Zeke is. So, you know, I understand the guy wants to get more money, and that's what you're getting with a lot of running backs. The better running backs, they want to get paid now because their legs are, don't stay fresh for long, and they they become damaged goods real quick. And I respect that. I understand that, but you know, I mean, you can't expect the Dallas Cowboys to jump through hoops to get him signed right now. His deal's not up, you know. It's it's he's still got some time. Yeah, know? he does. He does, and we'll see exactly uh, where this does end uh, between Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, he's training down in Cabo. His agent has a house down in Cabo. Who knows what the hell he's doing? As the Cowboys are at work out in California. All right, next number two. Dolphins fire offensive line coach one week in the camp. Yeah, strange one, Taz. We talked about last hour, Pat Flaherty, a longtime NFL offensive line coach. I think he was with the Giants for 12 years, 49ers for a season, a couple years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, his coach collegiately as well. I mean, he's been around the game for a long, long time. New head coach down there in Miami and Flores, and uh, he takes over a program in Brian Flores, former Patriot assistant coach. Or I should say assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, however way you looked at it, what his official title up there uh, under Bill Belichick was. Uh, didn't like, I mean, we said before, I don't know what it is, and we probably never know. I'm not saying it's anything like over-the-top bad. Right. My point being is that there had to be some kind of connectivity issue between, you know, Flores and the offensive line coach or the offensive staff. I, I don't know. He, is it just because the offensive line was getting pushed around in practice, so he fires the offensive line coach? Is that uh, does that make a lot of sense? It, it, it doesn't to me, no, especially after you, Brian Flores, you're the new head coach, and you six months ago hired this guy. It's You did not inherit Pat Flaherty. So, you know, you, you hired him to be your O-line coach, and now you basically relieved him of his duties, and you're promoting the analyst, Dave Gulmiero, to offensive line coach. So it's the whole thing's kind of like a little strange, but I, you know, 
as we said earlier, who knows what's going on behind the scenes there? You know, that that's the thing. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You gotta give the guy more than four practices, I think, in just my opinion, to, to, to see how his old line works. Unless there was concern going into it and those concerns were not rectified early on in camp. Could be. Again, we don't know. That could be. I mean, maybe there were concerns in many camps. Maybe there's the concern, you know, early on after after uh, you know the NFL right. draft, well, you know, and the mandatory mini camps and everything. And and so Flores had this concern. Said, "All right, I'll give him a little bit more time." And then you know had a guy on the staff that he trusted, that he's familiar with. Who I, as you mentioned before, failed at the job up there in Foxborough, but there is a familiarity there. And then did not see it turn the way that he would like early on here in camp, no. and decided to move on. Yeah, it's apparently like uh, so. Ian Rappaport he reported that basically he's hearing that uh, Flaherty's issues they they kind of went back a few months ago, a few months because the ability to coach in a system with the offensive coordinator. Chad O'Shea, that's part of the issue, too. So, I, yeah, I mentioned earlier, working with the other right, offensive right, staff. Right, correct. So, there it is. So, there you have it yeah. uh, in terms of Pat Flaherty being out down in Miami with the Dolphins. All right, next. Number three. Marcus Stroman says his initial frustration with trade had nothing to do with the Mets. Yeah, so uh, there was a report out of Toronto that he kind of threw a, a temper tantrum when he learned um, that uh, he was being traded to the Mets. This is Marcus Stroman uh, now, the new starting pitcher for the Mets. And, um, uh, well, that was not necessarily – he wants to – he want, that he had envisions of, of joining a contending team. If he wanted to go to – if he was going to go to New York, he wanted to go to the Yankees and not the Mets. He said uh, that is not necessarily the case. Let's hear from Stroman yesterday. Conference call getting introduced as a New York Met. Take a listen. I was definitely shocked. Um, definitely, I definitely was expecting to get moved to, to some team at some point, obviously before the deadline, just because of all the rumors. Um, so, yeah, it was the Mets. It was shocked. The commotion was in a discussion that I had with our co- some of our coaches, some of the higher-ups in our org. And it was kind of just like an exit meeting and – I was just um, kind of voicing my opinion, and I didn't like how a couple of things were handled along the process, and that was it. So there you have it. You believe him? Yeah, I do. I believe that it had nothing to do with the Mets <laughs> because it's – I don't think – I mean, as, as soon as the news happened, I mean, it had to be shortly after. I mean, he's tweeting pictures of himself. He grew up on Long Island. He, he, it seems like he grew up a Met fan, and he's tweeting out pictures of himself when he was a, a young child wearing a New York Met satin, you know, cool baseball jacket, you know, like – He's tweeting pictures of that he's wearing number seven. He wore number seven at Duke. Uh, he wore number six, I believe, with the Blue Jays. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, so they got him his number. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I My gut my gut tells me that he's telling the truth. This had nothing to do with the Mets. Um, uh, do you believe him? Uh, no, I don't really believe him. Um, um, and he, he did go ahead yesterday that he, you know, that he went to both Met and Yankee games growing up. Um... Um, because I was trying to rack my game, rack my brain in terms of him throwing a commotion in terms of the process. What are the, you know, he just told you that he expected to get moved, right? He told you that he thought it was going to go to a contending team. Um, so what exactly did the Blue Jays do wrong as an organization for him to make a commotion in the, the Toronto Blue Jays clubhouse? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he said it meant more like an exit meeting. I don't think they were critical of him pitching. I mean, pitched to an under-3 RA. I don't think they're telling him what he didn't do. 
Uh, I think he's, they're probably thanking him for everything that he did for the Blue Jays organization. I, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, I'm not going to get all that. If I'm a Met fan, I wouldn't get all that hot and bothered by it in, in, you yeah, know, initially anyway. I mean, he's, he's a look, Long Island guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, he wanted to go to a contending team. He's not. Right. Um, you know, if he wanted to be a Yankee, he's not going to be a Yankee. Maybe a year and a half from now when he hits free agency, he'll be a Yankee. Well, or maybe he'll sign a long-term deal with the Mets. Who the hell knows? But. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he's happy to be pitching closer back to home. Yeah, well, he's good till the end of 2020, end of the year. And the Mets, I don't know, I'm hoping this happens. They seem like they're trying to go all, you know, all in now. But it seems like they, they might assume or think they have some shot to do something impressive next year. Um, you know, which they got to fix their defense. They got to fix the bulk. They got to fix a lot of stuff. But uh, Stroman's dad, Marcus Stroman's dad, I, I was reading some stuff he talked to Newsday. And, and kind of to play off a little bit of the point you, you just made about contenders and stuff, um, he assumed he was going to be moved to the, either the Astros or the Yankees, and he kind of was fired up, his dad said, if he was going to go to the Yankees a little bit. But he also loved being in Toronto. He, he said his son's heart was in Toronto. He loved it there. Well, he um, tweeted out yeah. the other day, Savage. Yeah. Mm. Playing off what, what uh, I, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but playing off, you know, that back and forth that Aaron Boone had with the umpire. That's right. Yeah, right? That's right. We, I got savages in the dugout, savages up at the plate, whatever it was. Uh, uh, yeah, my guys are savages. Right, like, meaning correct. In the box. Yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Strowman did tweet that out the other day when he was still a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. So, I mean, listen, he's going to cut off at the knees. He's going to be wearing number seven. McNeil wears number six for the Mets. So he gets, uh, as you mentioned, the number, what, that he had down at Duke? He had that at Duke, yeah. yeah. So uh, the one thing is he's predominantly a ground ball pitcher this year. The Mets' uh, infield defense has not been particularly good. That's something that needs to improve moving forward uh, in order to take full advantage of what, you know, Marcus Stroman is now. And he's kind of, you know, Kind of developed. I was talking to a guy yesterday in terms of what led to the uptake of of Strowman this year. Um, whereas ERA is down, it's under three injury ravaged season a year ago. And you know, I, I you know, scouts are looking at it. You know, he he st- he's throwing a lot more sliders. He gave up, I think, on the four seam fastball. He's predominantly throwing a two seam fastball. <laughs> throwing a lot lower in the zone. He's not as less reliant on the strikeout. Only seven strikeouts per nine. Um, and he's inducing a lot more ground balls. So that's what led to, you know, and, and you hope that that continues with the Mets, and you hope that the Mets defensively are able to, well, to handle everything that's going to come their way as well. Uh, that's what I'm hoping, that the Mets can handle the ground balls that are going to be hit. Yeah, them. right. That's my concern, to yeah. be blunt. So, yeah, it's been a little rough uh, defensively, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It's a transition for sure. Um, but a guy like Strowman is a hell of a player. With first time All Star this past year, you yeah. know. Look, me as a Met fan, I'm, anytime we get a really good player, I'm happy about it. I understand some Met fans would disagree, only because you know they didn't get the resources maybe at that moment that you could have gotten, and then you move Vargas to you know, so to, to an in, to in, you know to a division rivalry in the freaking yeah. Phillies, which is like, what are we doing? You know, the Phillies. Oh God. Oh, man. Yeah, but, I mean, so it's a little it, tough. Man. I mean, does, it, does that really bother you that much that Vargas uh, goes to the Phillies? It's, it's, just, it's just the Phillies. It's just like if a Yankee would have, you know, start pitch for the Yankee would move to the Sox, the Red Sox, you wouldn't be exactly glowing about it. You know, so um, that's how I feel. I'm not exactly happy about it because I don't like the Phillies. I grew no, up I hating it. the Phillies. I get it. I, I just don't think the Phillies are going anywhere, right? Well, and, I know that, but it's just that for them to get a good pitcher like Vargas, gotcha. who. I was talking to you months ago, all fair, saying how much I hated him. And then, you know, he started playing, playing really well, pitching really well. Yeah, uh, he did. He did pitch well last 12 starts. His ERA, I think, is about 3.2. 
Uh, and we'll see what he does now for the Philadelphia Phillies as the Mets save themselves about $2 million in cash uh, and get, in essence, what is a minor league catcher uh, and a 26-year-old uh, from the Phillies organization. Oh, so there you have it. Yeah. 855-212-4227. The three biggest storylines that you need to know here on this Tuesday morning. Flaherty out as offensive line coach down there in Miami. Uh, you've got the scenario of, uh, as we just discussed, um, uh, the uh, Marcus Stroman uh, not upset about being a Met. That's what he's telling you. And Ezekiel Elliott holding out. He's down in Cabo as training camp continues for the Dallas Cowboys and every Cabo. other NFL team across the country for the Cowboys <laughs> Cabo. out there in California. Correct. It's Cabo. Um, eight, it's 8-16 in the AM, five sixteen Pacific. Task Moose, CBS uh, Sports Radio. This is 16-year MLB veteran Chase Utley, and you're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's Topher Line brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Uh, yesterday, Al Dukes was on the Biseglia podcast. <clears throat> oh, really? Yesterday? You had Al on? Uh... Yeah, he had video and all. Yeah, it dropped later today. Wow. Let me get this straight. You had video and all. We had all. Well, wait a minute. So you're recording an audio podcast, and what kind of video? I'm no, no. I just took a still shot off his Facebook page. Yeah, he had video and added to audio behind it. it. He had video to promote it. Wow. Yes, it was. It yeah. wasn't live video. It was just I stole his Facebook profile yeah. picture. Wow, you really are a talented guy. So what the the deal is? Okay, so. Did you guys record the podcast in the same room or phone Jones? How'd you do it? Same room. Wow. That's that's the high-end podcasting, Moose, when you do that. Yes. That means you have access to any kind of studio microphone you want and board. So what time did you record it? This was Friday afternoon. Oh, or Friday. Friday after, yeah, Friday at 10, 11 o'clock. So why did it take right freaking show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Three days to Friday. drop it. Why? Uh, because edit? I had to add the content from my stories on the road, which I recorded on Saturday. And then I mixed it down with the interview I had with Al, and now I'm uh, putting it nice. out Tuesday. I think Monday, go. I like doing Tuesday over Monday, because I think Monday everybody's kind of just getting back in the swing of the week. Tuesday, wow. everybody a little more settled. It's amazing, well Moose, that he has time to even do anything with our show, this guy. Huh? Isn't that something? Well, I'm happy for him. It's a good Thank job you, by him. Yeah. Well, he's, good job. he's definitely getting a lot of Taz Show fans, too, that are listening to the podcast. I, I, I promoted it for him in yes, my I podcast. Have, I have had a bunch of Taz Show fans reach out to me so, and say yeah. they enjoy the podcast, and uh, they found out through your podcast, correct? And the thing is, too, like, I'm just, when I hear people drop a podcast, then it doesn't, they record it on a Friday and it drops. So I understand what you did there, and it records, I mean, you drop it like three, four days later. That drives me crazy. See, like... My show's like what you do with this show, with Taz and Moose, it drops every day. Like, so I recorded a podcast yesterday, and Brian, my producer for that show, he dropped it 10 minutes later. There's no editing. We do no editing. I'm, I record it live to tape, just like Moose and I do here, live to tape. You should maybe work on that, Mike. Just... Yeah, no. Okay. Okay. There you go. Well, the All problem right. is I nope. need um, the, uh, I need to record on Saturdays. That's the only free time I have to record. Goes, it's a little Wait. less. It's a little. It's, it's not time not sensitive. Time sensitive. That's exactly right. He goes, yeah, no. 
It doesn't. It doesn't have to be like he's not talking about topical issues. Yeah, there's not stories from the road. Right. There's not. They're not going anywhere. I think what we call that in the podcasting realm is evergreen content. That's the word you're both looking for. Evergreen. So uh, I, no, understand. I think evergreen. I look at evergreen as being more generic. No, evergreen means that it's stories that that are evergreen. They'll last forever. Those stories he's saying with these yeah. Uber people are, are evergreen. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I won an award know. for this. I kind of know what I'm talking about, bro. No, Sorry. no, no, I'm not saying. I just have a <laughs> negative connotation to it. Well, I mean, so I mean, we all do it. I mean, so I we mean, all do like, what? I won an award doing it. I, I understand you won an award. It's I'm very it's, good. I, you wore you wore you won an award for vocabulary. No podcasting. I understand. I, we're talking about the definition of a award. No, no. Well, the award is I mean, for I'm the, not, I'm not well the from the communicators <laughs> organization, and I wouldn't. I have it. I'll take pictures. I'll show you. It's, it I looks like an image. I'm not freaking things beautiful. One has nothing to do with the other. I don't know. I won an award. I'm pretty legit. I'm, I know you did. I'm on the cusp of. Seven, I just look. I look at Evergreen as being a more of a negative connotation. For oh me. God Almighty! An evergreen means it's evergreen. It's exactly know, what the word means. At, it lasts I, I forever. Just at, I know. I just look at it differently. That's all. From my but, but the way you're Where? looking at it is not the. It's not correct. I, I could. I, no, 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 I, let's say you and I did a topic right now. We recorded a topic, talked about the NFL best linebackers ever, yeah. and you and I were spitballing this, and we were talking about it, and we gave off top five each, mm. and then we put it as a separate podcast that was a 20 minute podcast. Yeah, no, that's I, I evergreen that's, content. I, I'm not denying that. Let's I, say you and Monzo do a podcast I'm, about about Kelso. Remember the great horse Kelso, yeah, or I'm Secretariat. Not, I'm not saying I'm not that's saying, evergreen. I, I never said that you're wrong. I'm just saying I, from my you advantage, point, I'm wrong. No, no, I said I look huh. at it as more okay. negative. I don't look at that as How what Mike's negative? doing. I don't know. I just look at the word evergreen as being negative. That's all. Oh. That's used in meetings with big shots. I've been in podcasts. I don't, podcasts, care, I don't big care what shots. I'm looking from my own vantage point. I don't like the term evergreen. I just look at it as kind oh, of I guess generic if you don't like and boring. It, that's, that's you're all. entitled to it. Uh, that's all. No, I know what it means. Not... I understand what it means. I, don't, I know you I, do. You're, yeah. you're, a, you're a wordsmith. No, I, I hear you every day. You're a I don't, wordsmith. I don't know. I, I just don't. I look at it as more kind of like, eh. So what is evergreen content? What's a better word for you that's not negative? I don't know. I'm trying to think of that. I don't know if I have one for you. Timeless? No. No. I don't know. I don't think I have one for you, Taz. All right. That's a good question. I don't right. have one for no you. No problem. I don't know. You guys should do a podcast, you and Monzo, about um, like the great your favorite. I don't think horses. that'll do much. Why? Uh, People that listen to it want to hear like you mm. and Monzo both are experts on horse yeah, racing. I don't, I don't what know your favorite horse is? Like I don't know if people are going to sit there and listen to that. Why? No, I, I, I think you're wrong. Well, your your stuff is more topical about the actual races, like when. Yes, you, correct. We're talking about stake races. What's going on? Here, over in Europe, stuff but like that. I, I think you you have a chance to do something with a market that in podcasting is not gigantic. It's gigantic for horse racing with topical about the races coming up. But I think that if you did something for horse racing fans to talk about the history or no, the great horses of the yeah, past, that's and fair. The, I think you, know you I mean? need. I think you need like kind of like the guests to be able to add a little bit more oh, to it. No, you guys are both communicators. You're a, no, you're no, a, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not guessed. saying you add. It adds a little bit of a flavor to it. Um, you know, those when you're talking about the history of horse that. racing. When you're talking about horses you never saw race. Dude, you have not doesn't matter, it's a fandom. You I'm have knowledge, gonna... you're very knowledgeable. So is Brian no, about, I, about I horse that, racing. So but if you could that. add if you could add people that have actually, you know, saw them in training and everything yes. like that. But I really I mean horse racing is dependent on gambling. 
No, I, I know this, but they're People all live, they're, not everybody. Who, not everybody. I know that ninety nine point nine percent of horse racing fans are gamblers. That's what the they also all about. would like to hear. It don't. It's not everything. I got more. I need more gambling. I They might want to hear a podcast about no, something about fair. some great horses of the past. I, no, no, that's fair. Or great jockeys. You that's know what I mean? Like that type of thing. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I, I don't. And the whole guesting, like I don't. I'm not a big fan with podcasting because I think that's kind of oversaturated. Every in every topic, like every no matter what genre, guest on podcasting is the most played out thing in my opinion. I'm a firm believer in topic driven and that which is not evergreen and carry the show he or she her, themselves. I you got to be. Yeah. I dropped the podcast just in fifty minutes by myself. No, that's great. Sitting in the I, studio just spitballing no, re- that's, wrestling. That's fantastic. Taz that's show. That's great. Damn right. Episode six ninety two. I think Andrew. Whoa, that's, but you're that talking was. about topical issues. Not always. I do stuff that I'll, I'll do. A, I'll do an evergreen topic. Okay. Where I'll talk about. I might go back and talk about an old pay, uh, wrestling big pay per view okay. or um, opponents of mine. Or I do a ton of non topical gotcha. alone. All right. Alone. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Good. That's great. That's right. right. I think. I think those are like if I'm looking at talking about a great race. Those were at the track to add a little bit more color, flavor, flair to it. Uh, I'm telling you, though, it's a different viewpoint. If you and Brian, because you guys oh, are no, both students say, of the game, I, I you guys will give a I, fan I, perspective. No, it's pretty I, I cool. I get it. I get I'm it. You. you know, God rest his soul, the great, you know, William Knack, who, who covered hmm. Secretary, wrote a great book on him. Right, um, right. You know, a legendary writer, uh, ledger, legendary horse racing enthusiast. I mean, to, to hear him describe his Belmont Stakes, as you can see it on the 30 for 30, or the Sports Century, I should say, for Secretariat, it's just off the charts. Yeah, I mean the guy—the awesome. guy slept outside Secretariat's stall the morning of no the way. Belmont Stakes. Slept by a tree. I mean, that's to have that kind of hear those kind of stories, I, yeah. you know, just add something to it. But yeah, I, I don't think you need a guess for every single. No, time, you so. don't. You don't. Andrew, yeah. why don't you? I mean, Andrew Bogus, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. latest sports yeah. update. Why? Why don't you? Okay, you go ahead. Let it roll. Yeah, hit it. Yeah, why don't you? Uh, yeah, mostly get hit it, please. Why don't? No, why don't you, Andrew? Everybody else has podcasts that can speak. Why don't you have one? You're a communicator. Oh, that's ex- there's too many podcasts. It's so no one, ne- no one needs me. Uh, you're a no. baseball uh, aficionado. I yeah. mean, I can pitch you you and Pete the Body doing one together. That would be pretty entertaining, I think. You and Pete. Yeah. I like queso. That would be great, I think. <laughs> no, maybe just you alone. How about me that? and computerized Pete? No. Well, me no, and Pete you, drops. You, if you did a podcast, what would it be on? I've already done the baseball one, which didn't go well. So oh, you did a, that, I yeah. know you did a show. I didn't know it was a podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that failed. Yeah, that failed. All right, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. All right, sorry to put it up. Still stung over that. Yeah. There's a non, you know, legal reasons, non-competes. All righty, stuff it's like getting that. More sticky. My right, bad. My talk to DeMarcus. My bads are out the window. Football. Football. Okay, we're uh, doing that right now. Yeah, no, not right oh, now. We okay. got an update. Here no. we go. Bogus, take it away. Oh, hey guys, here's your report. It's sponsored by a Wrangler Performance right. Series. It's a collection of jeans and pants featuring a Comfort Flex waistband and denim that flexes for comfort. Wrangler Performance Series, try on a pair today. Ezekiel Elliott is going to Cabo, not Oxnard, California. The Cowboy running back still holding out and now will stay in shape at his agent's Mexico home, which he did during his 2017 suspension. Zeke and the Cowboys said to have traded proposals recently, but no extension is imminent. Without Elliott, Dallas has just one running back in camp that got a regular season carry last season, so they're signing veteran Alfred Morris, who played for them in 2016 and 17. In 18, he was a Niner. 
The Dolphins firing O-line coach Pat Flaherty just five months after he joined Brian Flores' staff. The line had been an issue since the spring. Veteran assistant Dave DiGuglielmo takes over. And the Texans have given corner Jonathan Joseph a raise from $2.9 million to $4 mil. Joseph also gets a $1.5 million signing bonus. The Blue Jays completed the hat trick yesterday, adding Bo Bichette to Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio Three sons of three stars. The 21-year-old Bichette singled in his first big league at bat. Biggio, though, had the biggest swing last night. 2-1 pitch and high in the air. Deep right field. That one's going to be between the white lines. And that one is gone. Kevin Biggio goes deep onto the porch behind the right field wall. His eighth home run of the season has given the Blue Jays a 4-3 lead. As heard on Blue Jays radio, Biggio had just missed a homer down the right field line earlier than that at bat. Toronto eventually winning in KC 7-3. The Tigers got a 7-2 win in Anaheim. Veteran righty Jordan Zimmerman earns his first W since last September. The Dodgers fell in Colorado 9-1, and manager Dave Roberts pulled Jock Peterson in the eighth inning for not running out a grounder to first. The Padres dumped the O's 8-1. Fernando Tatis Jr. Franmil Reyes homering on the first two pitches of the bottom of the first. And the Nationals dropped the Braves 6-3. Anthony Rendon, a tie-breaking grand slam in the sixth. Atlanta's NL East lead is down to four and a half games. And the U.S. Soccer Federation releasing financial data yesterday said to be confirmed by an independent accountant. It shows the women's national team made more money than the men from 2010 through 2018. A spokesperson for the women suing U.S. soccer for equal pay says the data is, quote, utterly false. It remains true that men make more money per game and get higher bonuses for wins and ties than the women's team. Guys? All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew. We're going to continue to run around the National Football League. Up next, the Rams coming off a, a disappointing Super Bowl loss. Uh, DeMarco Farr, a uh, very good lineman, Taz, in his day was DeMarco Farr. And now a sideline reporter for the Rams out there in Los Angeles uh, is going to join us. Where did he go? Washington? I believe it was Washington, oh, right? Man. I, I believe it was, right? I, I think about I know he's a hell of a lineman. You're right. He was and he's. He's great on the air, too. He's very yeah, high, high exuberant guy. Yeah, yeah, it was Washington. Entertaining. It was Washington. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's going to join us. We'll talk about the Rams as they try and get back and this time win the Super Bowl. What are their challenges? We'll, we'll take that next. It's Taz Moose on this Tuesday morning, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Coast to coast, pillar to post, it's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right, we head to Rams camp now, and DeMarco Farr joins us, a Los Angeles Rams sideline reporter, Super Bowl champion, fresh off the elliptical. 
Uh, he's up early out there in West Coast. <laughs> uh, hey, DeMarco, Taz and the Moose with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. What's up, man? What's happening, fellas? What's going yeah, on? I bro? love donuts. I got to use the elliptical, man. Yeah. You know? Come on. <laughs> That's it, man. Bring the calories in and then just burn them up. I feel That's you. That's I play for the tie every day. Come on now. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's a good line. That, that is, is funny. a good line. That is funny. Uh, you know, DeMarco, how about, uh, how about this team following what was, um, you know, you'd have to imagine, you know, no – Oh, a disappointing Super Bowl performance uh, in in, uh, in offensively in what the Patriots threw at them, how they handled it, um, all the way around. You know, this offseason, but going into now with camp beginning, what about this Rams team trying to get back there and this time winning it? You know, we, we talked a lot about that with them uh, the last couple of days, and they haven't forgot about it. You know, the, the, the number one question is, when did you flip the script from 2018 to 2019? And they said – about the first time we started OTAs and minicamps. So they carried it all the way through, just like a Super Bowl champion would do. Uh, whether you won or lost, you're going to have to forget about last season and move into uh, 2019. But they haven't forgot about it. It's going to drive them. Uh, they got to the Super Bowl. It's where they wanted to be, but they didn't win it. And they didn't perform as well as they would like on offense. So it's not just the players. Even Sean McVay feels the same way, and he's not shy about telling you. He wants to get back to that big stage, probably against the Patriots to have that rematch so they can get that win or at least a better showing. But, you know, Belichick's a monster. Uh, Belichick has seen you ten times over. He knows your schemes, he knows your philosophies, and he knows the origin of so it's going to be tough to beat him in that situation. But one day after that game, uh, the day after the Super Bowl, Sean McVay became a better football coach. So let's hope they become a better football team because of that. Well, DeMarco, it's funny you mentioned McVay because I was just fixing to ask you about that. Because like, so what do you, if you had to put it in a nutshell, what do you think Coach McVay learned from everything last season? Uh, you know, I think he's – how can I say this? I, I think he's confident in his scheme. I think he's confident in what he does. But I think uh, that he knows now he's going to have to open it up a little bit more. He's going to have to be a little more varied in his personnel groups. Because the one thing I did get from all the coaches that I know on the way up, and especially at the Super Bowl, you can't be this good in one personnel group. It's just impossible to do. But I'm like, we are sitting here in Atlanta in the Super Bowl, guys. He just did it. Well, it defies belief, but then after the game, it, it kind of made sense. You're going to have to give people more tight end sets. Uh, you may have to be a little trickier with Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield to get him free uh, when you have 16, 17 weeks of film. So he's going to have to expand his playbook a little bit more, but he's, he's never going to give up what he does best. Um, what about Gurley here? Um, he doesn't want to talk about the knee. How big of an issue is the knee with Todd Gurley? You know, he's 24. Um, everybody in the NFL has something they have to deal with. Look at Gronk. Gronk had braces on every part of his body, but it never stopped him. So Todd's got a knee issue. It is an issue. You're going to have to treat it. You're going to have to go home at night. You're going to have to treat yourself like you're 34 instead of 24. But he's going to be just fine. You should have seen him on the first day of practice. The guy's got burst. He's huge. Uh, he looks like the, the Todd Gurley of old, not an old Todd Gurley. Mm. Interesting. Uh, DeMarco, so Clay Matthews, uh, so far in camp, I mean, you know, great player, obviously, great backer. You know, thoughts on him so far, what you've seen and heard, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, what your expectations, you personally, that you think Clay will bring to the table for, for the Rams? 
I, you know, I was a fan. I like watching dude play when he was in Green Bay. Right. I mean, he was a yeah. monster. Uh, the Red, Jeff Fisher brought the Rams to Green Bay, and he absolutely, it was with Nick Foles at quarterback. Uh, this was the Nick Foles experiment. So we brought it to Green Bay, and Clay Matthews, I, I'm telling you, ended the era in one game. <laughs> uh, we thought he was trying to bury the guy, really. He was just that dominant. He was all over the field. So if that guy still exists, because something happened in Green Bay, uh, the coach got fired, Aaron Rodgers started to pop off. So there was a lot going on in Green Bay, so maybe that brought everybody down there. But if that guy still exists, that guy you can line up just about anywhere, and he seems to wind up on top of your quarterback at the end of the play, man, that's going to be like gangbusters with Aaron Donald. So watching him in practice, watching him warm up, he's athletic as hell. Uh, he, he seems like he's 25. Uh, so if we can still get – if the Rams can still get – 16 straight weeks of the Clay Matthews that we used to know, wow, that's going to be big coming off the edge. You know, uh, DeMarco, where are the concerns then when you look at this team? I mean, obviously Super Bowl hangover, but where do do you look at this team roster-wise? What are the concerns? Uh, You know, walking around the field uh, the other day, and I even talked to Tlaib and Marcus Peters after practice, and I said, wow, this is a pretty good team, man. I mean, roster-wise, top to bottom. And they said, I said, do you guys know that? And they said, oh, yeah, we know. Uh, It is. This might be their best football team since we won the Super Bowl or since the greatest show on turf, but you got to go prove it. But if there is one weak point or one we're we're going to look and see that could be a weak point. It's going to be the offensive line. Roger Saffel's not here anymore, and John Sullivan, the center, has retired. So that's two veteran guys uh, that are that were tasked with getting Todd Gurley free in the open field and protecting Jared Goff, now being replaced by two guys that never, that's never started a football game before in John Noteboom and Brian Allen. So we'll see if these two guys can handle it. Physically, they'll be fine, but it's the mental game you have to worry about. So what, what do you mean by the mental game they're going to have to worry about? Well, I mean, like, any as a former defensive lineman or a defensive lineman that's just not playing anymore, anytime I see a first-year starter at center, I'm going to try him. Mm. We're going to try A-gap blitzes. We're going to send everything we've got at this kid to see if we can pick it up. And if you've got a first-year starter at guard, same thing. It's going to be nothing but pass rush stunts and games to see if you can pick it up. Uh, if you can, then so be it. If not, then that's going to be your Achilles heel as an offense. But – they're being trained well. Uh, Sean McVay's offense is offensive line friendly. He doesn't expect you to just man up with guys and try to push them you know, down the field for, for 16 straight plays. There's going to be some things that help you, but when it's 3rd and 12, 3rd and 15, when it becomes just football, you are going to have to man up, and then we'll see if they can handle it. You listen to Taz and Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Our special guest right now, DeMarco Farr, Los Angeles Rams sideline reporter, Super Bowl champ, man. Um, hey, DeMarco, so what about Cooper Cup? Man, he's back, you know, hell of a wide receiver, this kid. Uh, what's the deal? What are you thinking of him when you see him, how he's looking in camp physically? What, what, you know, break him down for us. The dude is, is Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> he blew the knee in November, and he's – the first day of practice, you'd never know he was hurt at all. Wow. This is a guy who spent the entire offseason rehabbing. I mean, he was on the sidelines while the team was practicing for minicamp, and you could tell he was chomping at the bit to get out there. So we heard day one he wasn't going to be put on the PUP, the physically unable to perform. So that was a, wow, you know, he's ahead of schedule. And then the first day of practice, he's out there running routes. Not just running routes, beating people. You know what I mean? So it's like, wow, uh, was he ever hurt to begin with? But – the guy's a fantastic healer, and he's a great football player. I think what separates him from all the other slot receivers in the NFL is how well he blocks and how smart he is. Uh, really, your nickel better come to play when you're lining up on Cooper Cup 
because the first five steps off the line look exactly the same. You don't know if it's he's blocking you or trying to go past you until he's on top of you. And either way, it's going to be too late. So having him on the field is huge. Having him on the field is huge for Jared Goff. It's like a security blanket. When all goes, when all breaks down or, or all fails, Cooper Cup is always going to be out there for you to make a play. You know, DeMarco, you know, the, you know, when you look at Goff, um, how good do you think he is? You know, you, you know, last year there were a lot of highs and then there were also some lows um, where you saw maybe a little bit of regression. What about Jared Goff this year, yet another year under McVay? Well, this is where I couldn't wait. So uh, let me ask Taz this, right? So you, you've seen wrestlers come and go, right? Sure, of course. You've seen these young guys that you can say, that guy is going to be champion someday. And either they do or they don't. Yep. But once they do, they start to take off and become that guy. Sure. Well, that's where Jared Goff is now going into year four. He's no longer the rookie that got beat up or the surprise pro bowler or the guy that ran McVay's offense to the Super Bowl. He's a fourth-year starter that's about to get paid that's bigger, stronger, faster than he was a year before. All he has to do is do what he did last year, and he makes $35 million a year. This guy is ready to flip the script and become one of those elite franchise quarterbacks. So you don't think, DeMarco, you don't think he's a product of McVay's system? You think he's better than that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was he was drafted uh, by the previous staff. No, true. Uh, between him and Carson Wentz, they right. liked it. And this is funny, man. This is the first time the scouting report was dead on. They said Carson Wentz was the guy you'll love, but they're not sure if he can stay healthy. Jared Goff in five years will become the better quarterback. So here we are in year four, and I think that's starting to bear out. So we'll see what both guys do. But, yeah, man, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's the California kid, he's a leader of the football team. Uh, he's a guy, too. I mean, when he's outside answering questions, he's a quarterback. When he's in the locker room, he jokes with the guys, and he's got a sense of humor just like everybody else. And they listen, and they follow him. So, and the guy's got a cannon now, I mean, with touch. So McVeigh got a lot of credit, but I bet this year you're going to be talking more about Jared Goff than McVeigh through Jared Goff. All right, now, DeMarco, the real questions. With this, uh, your elliptical training, what's the story here? I mean, how many minutes are we doing? Are we doing a high, like, incline? Are you, you dogging it, going a little bit of a low? Come on, be honest. What's the skinny on this? What's the deal? If, it's, if I got a short workout, I do it for 30 minutes, and I try to make five miles. Top wow. that. Come on now. I'm impressed. I'm and impressed. If it's five. a long workout, then what are you doing? I go, I go for an hour, and I try to make seven miles. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, you're playing weight now. and now You had a motor. You play with a motor. I know that. I, I Absolutely. Saw, I know how you play. What was your playing weight, like your best weight? 272. Wow. 272. Man, and he 272, and that was light. And okay, you flew, now, around, you flew around the field. Aaron, you flew around. I saw Aaron it. Donald is ripping it up now, and he's 10 pounds lighter than I ever was. <laughs> he looks like a bodybuilder. That's crazy. He does. He, does. he, does. he looks like he's he cut from like granite. Hulk, and that's something else that's cool. He's out at camp. This is something new. He's never been at training camp because of all the holdouts and whatnot. So yeah. to see him get work, to have your best guy on the field, man, that's that's been awesome. That now, you're cool. up at 4 a.m. to hit the elliptical, DeMarco. So what time are you to bed at night? Uh, it depends. When when the wife lets me go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Great answer. That is happy Perfect. wife, happy life. That is a good answer, DeMarco. Oh, uh, well, we appreciate you giving us uh, some time here early on this uh, Tuesday morning out west. And uh, and uh, always a pleasure having you on. And thanks again, DeMarco. Appreciate it, man. Of course. We're family, man. Give me a call anytime. All right, you got bro. Take DeMarco care, man. Far. Um, yeah. You know, Rams. Good uh, yeah, no doubt. Sideline reporter for the Rams Radio Network.
uh, a Super Bowl champion, very good defensive lineman Taz in his day. You said with family. So now that's you go to another level when you start spitting that out. Correct. So, so now if I need to borrow, you know, three, four hundred dollars. No, I don't think it's that. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, right. Exactly. Don't think so. No, don't bother no, doing that. No, no, you don't feel that. Money Feeling never, money never works out. Borrowing oh, my money, family, everybody, my, yeah. my uncles, I, my cousins, we're always borrowing money. Well, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I want to see how that conversation goes. But say you should call up to Mark and be like, "Hey, we're family. Can I have three hundred? Tass is looking to borrow four hundred. One follow up question. Yeah. Right. I, need some, I need some new earbuds. One follow up question. You dropped me five hundred. We're, right. we're family. You use Venmo. Hey, cuz you Venmo me. Right. Put it in my PayPal. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> um, a good show. We appreciate it. Where are we in the poll? Do we have oh, any poll you, update in terms of the word poll? So you're looking for the, a social media update? I correct. assume. Training That's what camp. You're looking for. Uh, we'll get the social media update. Yes, right there. So yeah, we put out this question earlier uh, from our show here and our producer and his team. What should the name of our training camp football this is segment B? Campgrounds, the campgrounds, I should say. Gone gridding, uh, gone, gone gridiron camping. Easy for me to say. Gridiron camping, go slash gone camping. Right now, the campgrounds, the Kingsman provided this, 53% the, the leader. Gone gridiron camping's 8% moose. Gridiron camping's twenty eight percent gone slash gone camping go slash yeah that one camp. that's eleven percent it's not winning don't worry about <laughs> it. I could say what I could say flower top camping it's not winning so we see who the winners well yes yeah good job by the Kingsman uh, firing that out there Pierno good job uh, Baseglia yes, fantastic thanks, as always bogish with the updates uh, Taz always wonderful buddy yes, sir, you uh, too. Thank until uh, till tomorrow everybody peace there's got to be a ten second runoff here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.